Jesus didn't say, I will overcome the world. Jesus didn't say, when I return a couple thousand years from this moment, then I will overcome the world. He said, I have. I have overcome the world. Therefore, right now, you can be of good cheer. The world says, we don't like your system. We don't like your faith. We don't like your, the Bible. We don't like Jesus. We don't like God. We like this. And we want you to be like this. And so we're going to put pressure on you and ultimately try to force you to look like us. This is how the world works to overcome God's followers. But Jesus said, the world hasn't overcome me. In fact, I've rescued a lot of people out of it. Not everybody, but look around. There are followers. Those of you who are captive to the world, I have set free. So I am the one who is overcoming the world. I am the one who is winning people out of that world system and converting them into the kingdom of God, not the other way around. As believers, we live in two places simultaneously, in the world and in Christ. If our hearts are to be filled with courage and cheer, we must learn to see which of these we belong to. We may be in the world, but we do not belong to the world. But concerning Jesus, not only are we in Christ, but we also belong to Him. It is this truth about being in Christ that gives us a victory over the world. Hear today's message from Pastor Joplin Emerson, Take Heart. This verse is um, it's a powerful verse when you understand the context of the verse. Jesus tells His disciples that he's, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. This is the last statement that Jesus made before praying for his disciples at the Last Supper. And so if you backtrack a couple of chapters, we have the Last Supper. And Jesus addresses his disciples on the night of his death. And there's a lot of scripture there, but I'm going to give you a 60-second rundown of what Jesus said. You're all going to betray me. Peter says, no, I'm not. Jesus says, yeah, you will. You're going to do it three times. And the insinuation eventually is that even though this is going to happen, and even though Jesus is going to die, I'm going to die, he says. Eventually, he, he insinuates that they're going to come out of this betrayal because later there's going to come a time when they are going to be pulled in front of people to testify. And he tells them the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to say during that time. But... You are going to be persecuted. And just like they're going to kill me, they're going to kill you. He tells his disciples, don't think for a moment. I mean, if they would kill me, what makes you think they're going to treat you any better? He tells them they need to get ready, they need to get prepared, and they need to expect hard times ahead. And in the end, the road for all of them is going to be death. And he finishes up with, but hey, you should be at peace. Cheer up. And literally, as funny as I kind of said that, literally that is what he said. When Jesus tells them to be of good cheer, to take heart, to take courage, I'm going to deal with that word, what it means later. When he tells them that, when he tells them they should have peace, it is right on the heels of one of the most difficult speeches he's ever given them. The road ahead is hard. You're going to suffer. People aren't going to like you. 
You think they're treating me bad, they're going to do the same thing to you. If you were of the world, the world would treat you good, but you're not. You're of my people, and consequently, because the world hates me, it hates my people, you're going to suffer. Jesus tells him these things. He says the only reason I'm, one of the main reasons I'm telling you this, guys, is so that when it happens, you remember I told you this was going to happen. That way you don't fall away. Because I don't want you to get out there and then get all confused and think, well, we must not be serving God if all this trouble's coming to us. Jesus said, no, I told you it was coming. So don't question it. Stay faithful. And the more that you stay faithful, the more it's ultimately going to lead to your demise and you're going to die and they're going to kill you. But, he says, you have peace in me. What I want us to see this morning is that we live simultaneously in two worlds. Jesus acknowledges it. He says, in me, you have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. These are the two places that simultaneously we as Christians are. We are in Christ where we have peace, and we are in the world where we have tribulation. And if we are going to live with peace and have hearts that truly take courage, we must learn how to meditate on which world we actually belong to. So I am in this world, but I don't belong to this world. However, I am in Christ, and I do belong to him. My relationship with Christ is eternally uh, settled. My relationship with this world, according to the word of God, it's kind of like a breath. It's like a vapor. It's here one day and gone the next. It's just, it, it's such a small blip in the grand scale of eternity that it's just like a breath. And so I have to recognize that while I am in this world and it is filled with tribulation, it's not, it does not, I don't belong to the world and it is only a little blip on the radar of my overall eternal being I am in Christ, I have peace in Christ, I have a heaven that I'm headed towards, and I must learn to meditate on those things if peace is going to rule my heart. I think it's important that we as Christians understand that God has called us to peace. And this morning, what I want to share really all from the same verse are three divine truths about heavenly peace. The first one, as we've already noted, is that the will of Christ is that his followers have peace. But I want to add this word, now. The will of Christ is that his followers have peace now. Jesus said, I've told you these things ultimately so that you'll have peace in me. That means that right now, today... God wants you as a child of God to live in peace. You have got to get that settled in your heart. Not in the future, not down the road when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, the peace that is going to happen in heaven is like on a totally different scale than the peace we have now. There's no way to compare the two. But a lot of Christians have this mindset that in this world, we're just going to, you know, because we're going to go through tribulation, it's just going to be miserable and sorrowful and terrible, and we just can't wait to die so that finally we can have some peace. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. 
He says, yeah, heaven's going to be great. It's impossible. You can't even enter into the mind or heart of man how great heaven's going to be. But you as my followers, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that now here in this world of tribulation, you can still have peace. Brothers and sisters, it's the will of God that you have peace. You need to know that. You have got to get that settled in your heart that God's will for your life is to have peace. The reason that you've got to get that settled is because if you don't, you will allow yourself to sulk, to live in anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, and you will excuse yourself from pursuing peace thinking that you can't obtain it until you get to heaven. Now, I'm gonna, I, I want to just kind of share a personal experience in Joplin's life. Some of you know, if you've been here maybe six months or more, you may have heard me at one point or another talk about the reality that I spent a solid six years battling depression. And the last year and a half of depression for me was the most dark year and a half period of my life. It far surpassed the, 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 my life of drugs and crime and how terrible all that was. I'm just telling you emotionally, nothing compares to the last year and a half I dealt with depression. It was a very hard place for me to be. I was pastoring this church. It was an exciting time for the church. The church had only been around for about two years. Everybody's talking about it. The church is growing. We're seeing good things happen. Meanwhile, I am in a really dark place. And I began to get frustrated because I felt like a hypocrite trying to get up every week and convince people that God is good and that God's in control while simultaneously out throughout the week I'm arguing with God and I'm not understanding why God's not doing what I think God should be doing. And I'm just in a really dark place. Um. I've always had this true desire to be authentic and to be real. And so getting up week after week, uh, I, it made me feel like I was a big hypocrite. And so now I've got this internal conflict with myself and how I view myself, and I'm just mad. And the worst part is I can't just not come. Like the, the, I wanted to, I really did. There were Sundays, there, there were weekends, I just felt like I feel so weak, so exhausted. I just don't wanna go but I happen to be the pastor, and if I don't show up Sunday morning, it's going to be a disaster. And so I felt like I was trapped in a world I couldn't get out of. It was just a very hard place to be. And I got mentally in some headspace that was just, I hope I never in the rest of my life have to deal with. The turning point in my life, the turning point, was when I came to grips with this first point. It is the will of God that I have peace now. And that bothered me because I knew I didn't. I felt like God needed to fix this thing in my life. He needs to fix this situation. He needs to make these people act better. He needs to change this financial situation. He needs to make the business world change here. And if God will do all of those things, then I can have peace. And God says, no, you can have peace now, like today, Joplin. In fact, you're commanded to. And I had to get that settled in my heart. There was one other passage God used to, to really like just challenge me. And that was 
the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I can just tell you during that period of my life, I didn't have a lot of love for anybody. I didn't have a lot of patience. I didn't have any peace. I didn't have any joy. And I'm looking at that, and here's the one thing I knew that I knew that I knew. No matter how dark it got, I knew this. I knew I was saved. I knew it. I knew that God had saved my soul. I knew that he had changed my life. I did not doubt my salvation. I knew that I was saved. And so I'm looking at the word of God, and here's what I know. It's the will of God that I have peace. And then God takes it a step further and says, it's not only my will, child. I have already given it to you. I've given you the Holy Spirit, and this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have peace. You have joy. It's in there. And there was a part of me that was like, I didn't want to believe that, but I had to because I knew the word of God was true, and I knew that how I felt was wrong. And so I had to get it absolutely settled in my heart and in my mind, I have peace. I I don't know where it is just yet, but I know I have it because God says I have it. And I've got joy. And I don't know where that's at either, but I know for a fact I have it because God says I have it. And I have patience and I have these things, but they're so far from me right now that I, I, don't, I don't know how to see them manifest in my life. But I had to settle and just decide I'm going to believe the word of God. It is the will of God for me to have peace now. And I refuse to keep granting myself all of these excuses for my sorrow and my pain and all the reasons I don't have peace and I don't have joy. And so I started with an honest heart before God like, God, I surrender. You are right. I know that I have peace. I know that I have joy. I know that. I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I know that those are fruits of the Spirit. I know that it's the will of Christ that his disciples have peace and that we have peace in him. I know that, but I need help, God, letting that work itself out in my life. I need to understand how. And I'm going to tell you something. For Joplin Emerson, it wasn't like the light switch went off and the next day, I was the most peaceful, joyful guy you've ever wanted to be around. It was a process for me, a process of being committed to renewing my mind and forcing myself to begin meditating on what is true, being willing to track down the source of like, where's my confusion at? Where's my anger? Where's my frustration? What are the things that are making me feel this way? And then let's put those in light of scripture. And it, it was a process for me, but eventually I found real, true, complete, and total healing from this monster of, of fear and worry and doubt and depression that I was under for so long. It started though with me getting it settled based on the word of God, on the authority of the word of God. Jesus wants me to have peace right now. And he's commanded me to have it. I mean, this is like a command to his disciples. It's not just like uh, you can have it if you want it, but it's, it's really a command that we are to have it. So the will of Christ is that his followers have peace now. We could say it this way. It is the will of Christ that we should have peace within no matter what troubles we have without. So we should have peace now, peace today, peace tomorrow, peace here, even through the troubles that come with living on a fallen earth. Number two we see from our text, not only is it the will of Christ that his followers have peace, it is the will of the world that his followers have tribulation. 
So Jesus says, I need to acknowledge something right here. This isn't about stick your head in the sand and pretend nothing bad is going on. The peace that I give, it's not a situational peace in that I'm going to make everything in your world better. In fact, your world is going to be very difficult. You will have tribulation. You need to understand that according to the word of God, that the world persecutes true followers. And it looks different in many forms, right? We live in a country where we have uh, laws that protect us from a lot of the atrocities that are happening to Christians around the world. We don't have any fear of government coming in this morning and opening fire on us or throwing us to our death. We don't have fear of that. And so what persecution looks like here is going to look a little different than what it looked like to the disciples. It's going to look a lot different than what it's looking like right now, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. But the world system as a whole is hostile towards the Christian faith. And we are going to go through tribulation. Jesus says, you need to know that. Like, you've got to get that settled. You will have tribulation in this world. And if you don't know that, you're going to be deeply disappointed when you go through tribulation. If we think for one minute that we can come up with a game plan to change Derby, for example, and make Derby this great Christian city, And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do thing A, thing B, thing C, and we're going to be really kind about how we do what we do, and we're going to communicate our point well, and we're going to make sure that people understand this is what the Bible really says, and we're just trying to help people. We can do all of that, but if you think for one moment that the entire world here of Derby is somehow going to come around us and hug us and say, wow, thank you guys for being so great, you're going to be greatly disappointed when you find out they don't do that at all. It doesn't matter how well you make your argument. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how clearly you communicate the, the, the written word of God. In the world, we will have tribulation. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll get that settled and you'll understand that, it'll actually help a lot at you not having your peace robbed every time that you get discouraged because something bad's going on in the world. The world's hostile to your faith. The world's hostile to Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, look, the world hated me. It's going to hate you. And it helps to know that ahead of time. Because we have a mission to be trying to reach the world, and I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. We have a mission to be doing what we can to change our little world, to make a difference in the world. But if you think that somehow you're not going to be you know, persecuted for it, you will be greatly discouraged. You have to know there is a, there, there's a world that wants to bring tribulation to God's followers right now. That includes me. That includes you. And yet, yet, Jesus says, even in the face of that, we can have peace. We are told to go proclaim peace on earth. We are told to go and proclaim goodwill towards men. And we must do that. We need to be preaching peace. We need to be teaching peace. We need to be living peace. We need to be preaching goodwill towards mankind. We need to be preaching that. However, though we preach it, 
the reality is what we expect in return is not peace from men. And it's not goodwill, but it's ill will towards men. We preach goodwill, we preach peace, but we expect in return that's not what the world is going to give to us. So I want to ask the question then, why? Why can we have peace? Why should we have peace? Jesus answers in the very last sentence, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The third thing I want us to note is the attitude. The attitude that Christ commands in response to these dual truths is to take heart. Be of good cheer. Jesus says, yeah, the world is going to is going to persecute you bad. You're going to go through tribulation, but cheer up. This word uh, that's translated take heart or be of good cheer, it's the word tharsate. It's one word, and it's kind of like an action word. And I just want to, I want you to understand what it means so that you know what Jesus is telling you to do this morning. If you're struggling and you're going through trials and temptations and, and tribulation and persecution, Jesus gives you this command. And what, what it means is to be uh, so confident, and even the word comfortable can be applied to it, that your heart rejoices with cheer. That's what it means. If I was to give you an example of like the moment that this word happens, think of like a sports game, um, football starting, so let's just use football, where your team looks like they're getting pretty much handled the whole game, but somehow they're still in it. And there's this sinking feeling that, you know what? We're going to lose. They've handled us all game long. But then like with 30 seconds left, somehow something happens. A fumble happens. An interception happens. A great pass, you know, is thrown. And, and, and maybe you're on offense. Whatever happens, you score. And it's like in that moment, it's over. There's, there's not enough time for the other team to respond. Everybody knows you're going to win. It's done. All the sorrow is gone. All that tension of like, how can we win is gone. And everybody's yelling. The people in the, you know, the, the crowd are shouting. And there's this real sense of relief from the, the team and confidence and comfort that we did it. We are going to win, and now it's time to rejoice, to take heart, to be of good cheer. That word is what Jesus is using to tell us, even in the face of trials and temptations, even in the face of tribulation, take heart, be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. I want us to understand that. Because if you don't understand it, if the disciples didn't understand what he was saying, they might look around like, what do you mean you've overcome the world? They still hate us. Jesus didn't say, I will overcome the world. Jesus didn't say, when I return a couple thousand years from this moment, then I will overcome the world. He said, I have. I have overcome the world. Therefore, right now, you can be of good cheer. So what does that mean? I want us to consider the uh, perspective of tribulation from the world's point of view. 
And then look at how Jesus has overcome it and how you and I can overcome it. And what you're going to see is, if you can see what I see, we are overcoming it. I mean, it's awesome. But let's start with tribulation from the world's point of view. I want you to think of it in the context. Romans 12 tells us something interesting about the world. It says, do not be conformed to the world, by the world, right? Do not be conformed. And so we see the, the goal of tribulation, the goal of pain and sorrow and, and opposition from the world, it's to get you and I to conform. Now, when something is conformed, it is basically pushed out of the shape it wants to be and into the shape of whatever the pressure is trying to make it. That's what it really means to be conformed. And so we see that the world wants to conform us, basically to make us get in line. The world says, we don't like your system, we don't like your faith, we don't like your, the Bible, we don't like Jesus, we don't like God, we like this. And we want you to be like this. And so we're going to put pressure on you and ultimately try to force you to look like us. Quit preaching what you preach. Quit doing what you do. Quit saying what you say. You change. Now, first of all, they tried to do this with Jesus. We see that Satan himself approaches Jesus and ultimately tries to tempt Jesus into conforming into a different system. Changing his course. Changing his path. Jesus says, no. It's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. In other words, God has said this, God has said this, God has said this. The answer is no, I will not change my course. But then we see people. People gathered. People got together and tried to find ways to pressure Jesus to just stop. Quit teaching, quit saying what you say, quit being who you are. You need to change. And Jesus said, no. We see the same thing happen with the disciples. As early as Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, when they're doing the works of God, people are celebrating. They had healed a man. They simply asked, how is this man healed? And the answer was, in the name of Jesus. And they were preaching, and then they were arrested. And they were brought in, and they were pressured, and they were told, do not preach in that name again, and they were beat and flogged. They were, see, the world system is to pressure them, to conform them into a certain mold. This is how the world works to overcome God's followers. But Jesus said, the world hadn't overcome me. I didn't change a lick. But I have overcome the world. In fact, I've rescued a lot of people out of it. Not everybody, but look around. There are followers. Those of you who are captive to the world, I have set free. So I am the one who is overcoming the world. I am the one who is winning people out of that world system and converting them into the kingdom of God, not the other way around. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, we are overcoming the world. Personally, individually, and I can speak for myself. I'm not bragging about me this morning, but I'm just speaking for myself. The world has not overcome me. 
It had a grip on my life, but at about 20 years old, God, through all his power and his grace and his might, he got a hold of my life, and he pulled me out of the world. He put his spirit in me. He gave me a new nature. I was not overcome by the world, but I overcame the world through Christ. And I look at this very thing this morning. People coming and being baptized, declaring the truth that God has saved them, God has rescued them, their life is different in Christ Jesus. And you know what I see? We're overcoming the world. The world isn't stealing people away from God's kingdom. God's kingdom is stealing people away from the world. We are overcomers. And it's as if Jesus said, because I've overcome the world, you will too. Because I'm going to live in you. Something else that he said in this same exact speech is in essence that he's going and it's going to be better for you because God's going to send the comforter. The, the point that Jesus is making is, is like, be, cheer up. I've overcome the world and therefore you will too. So in me, in Christ, he says, you have peace. Brothers and sisters, we may not, we will not change the entire world win the whole world. Honestly, the Bible itself tells us that. Tells us that in the end, that men's hearts are going to wax even worse. They're going to get even colder and harder. There will not be some worldwide revival where all 7 billion people on the planet fall in love with Jesus and, and earth looks like heaven. It's not going to happen. God never said it would though. This was never the goal. However, while we are here, we are still to overcome the world that we live in and work to rescue the perishing and to win the lost. And we are. That's what's awesome about it. No matter how much tribulation the world brings, no matter how difficult it gets, and and I, I pray that I can communicate this in a way right now, that in your spirit you see why we can have peace. Jesus is saying, no matter how hard it gets, disciples, no matter how hard it gets, I mean, you're, you're going to die, just like me. But no matter how hard it gets, you're still overcoming the world, and the world has not overcome you. It hasn't pulled you back. It hasn't had the power to, to, to change you. It doesn't have the power to keep you from me. Like, I am yours, and you are mine, and I have overcome the world, and so will you. And so no matter how hard it gets, you just remember that you, you're in me. And so you should have peace in the midst of tribulation. I think it's important that we as Christians learn how to walk in this peace and confidence and joy. Right? Jesus isn't saying, hey, stick your head in the sand and pretend you don't know what's going on. Jesus says, oh, I know what's going on. I just told you what's going on. And I communicated it really well. It's like really bad out there and you're going to die. So it's not that I'm saying stick your head in the sand and pretend everything's good. What I'm telling you is don't spend your life meditating on all that is bad. Because then that becomes your world. You've got to meditate on the God-given fact. You're in me. And I'm in you. 
And the God who spoke the world into existence has chosen you and called you friend and lives in you. And because he overcame the world and he lives in you, you will overcome. No wonder it says we're more than conquerors. What an awesome thought. When we see it from this angle, we understand God's not calling us to pretend that the world's not bad. I'm going to tell you, you see, there's times Jesus wept, right? Jesus was the prince of peace. That doesn't mean he always went, went around pretending there was no pain. There were times that he wept. That's not what, what I'm talking about this morning. But what I am talking about is a true God-given sense of peace and confidence and comfort to take heart. Jesus has overcome, and so will we. And it's so important that we learn to think that way, meditate on that, live in that, because our ultimate goal, guys, is to overcome the world, to win the lost, to, to rescue the perishing. That's our goal, right? I will submit to you we are better at that when we have real, not fake it till you make it kind of peace, real peace, joy, patience. When the world can look at us and realize, hey, hey, these guys don't have their head stuck in the sand. They're well aware how bad things are, but man, that guy just has peace that's unshakable. Man, that... That, that lady has joy that seems to just like flow out of her and it just, there's no shutting it down. Brother, why are you so peaceful all the time? Where does this joy of yours come from? I can say, well, great question. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about when I was rescued out of this world that's distressing everyone else. Let me tell you about the difference of, of knowing that I am his and that he is mine. And now I'm able to come at this witnessing from a place of strength and power because I'm not walking around with my head held down. I'm not sorrowful all the time. I'm not scared all the time. I'm not worried all the time. And I want to say something that I said in the first service. You know, I'm not talking about uh, this morning that because we're a people of peace and we're a people of, of ruled by joy, I'm not saying that there aren't causes that we need to fight for because there are. I mean, if we don't stand up and, and fight for what is right, who else will? What I'm saying, though, is even the very angle at which we try to accomplish our goals, it changes when we're ruled by peace and joy. And we're not coming at trying to bring about change from a sense of fear and panic and worry and doubt and like the world's on fire. It is on fire. Jesus says, cheer up. Yeah, the world's on fire. But cheer up. For me personally, I'm going to go ahead and ask our worship team if you guys want to get in place. For me personally, this is a principle I had to learn very early on in my ministry because I have the privilege as a pastor, I have the privilege of just dealing with people through trauma. And it really is a privilege. But as a pastor, sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes you're aware, more aware than, you know, the general person in the, you know, in the congregation. You're aware of people's struggles 
and, and there's this overwhelming at time feeling like I can't fix everything I want to. I want to be able to help this person and this family and this guy and that gal. And I just don't know all the right answers and I don't know how to fix it. And sometimes it's a little heavy. And early on, I had to come to see this truth that ultimately I've got to learn to trust God, have peace and patience and joy through it all. And that no matter how, how, how bad it gets, the fact is God is with me. The fact is I'm okay. We're going to be okay. God's people are going to be okay. If you're saved here this morning, I've got great news for you. You're going to be okay. And we've got to learn to cheer up. And I've looked at really, you know, this last year and a half, I is my opinion, I think it's a fair opinion. For most of us, this has been the most difficult year and a half of our entire lives. Like we have all been exposed to a lot of trauma, worldwide trauma, personal trauma. Some of you have been dealing with like direct trauma in your family. But even if it's not direct, I, I, there's probably not anybody around here in this room that would honestly say, no, a year and a half, last year and a half, it's been a breeze, man. It's just been hard. And if we're not careful, we'll get so focused on what is hard and what is going on in the world, and we'll see the world is burning, and all of a sudden our heart is worried, we're anxious, and Jesus says, no, hold on a second. You're in me, folks. And I'm the risen one. I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because you're in me and I have overcome the world, you're going to overcome the world. Cheer up. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Be ruled and dominated by a sense of confidence and comfort in this heart that I am your God and that you are mine and you're going to get through this thing. You are an overcomer.